In the spring of the year, time when kings go out into battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, This is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliah, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the people fared, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the entrance of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and did not go down to his house. When they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, You have just come from a journey. Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah remain in Luz, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day. On the next day, David invited him to eat and drink in his presence and made him drunk. And in the evening, he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him so that he may be struck down and die. The word of the Lord.
that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted, rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be fulfilled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, who by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him, in glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So, I had the great pleasure this week of a visit from my friend Ellen, who lives in Philadelphia. She came on Tuesday and we dashed up to Plum Island beautiful sunny day, spent the night in Newburyport and came back on Wednesday. Ellen is a, a friend, a longtime friend. She's a recently retired professor, and after she moved away from where she had been working and spent so much of her academic life, she's now living in a little suburban town outside Philly, and is feeling very, she shared with me, feeling very isolated. Um, not just isolated because she's in Place, but isolated from her colleagues and her academic interests. It's very lonely to do that anyway, but to do it in a place where you don't know anyone is particularly lonely. So she told me when we were talking on the beach about how hungry she was for connection. Those were the words she used. So at breakfast on Wednesday, you know, when you're staying at the B&B, there's just a big table and you go and sit down. We sat down at the big dining room table, and this lovely couple introduced themselves to us. And they said, we're English professors at the University of Glasgow. Interesting. And I said to the woman, whose name is Beth, well, what are you, what are you working on? What are you interested in? And she said, well, I'm writing a book on Augustine. And I guessed, because my friend Ellen is one of the foremost scholars on Augustine. What are the chances, right? Well, bread was broken, emails were exchanged, friends were made, hope was restored. My friend's hunger for connection and collegial support was deeply fed. And she said, no one would believe this story if you hadn't been there to see it. 
And I think she's right. I'm not sure I would have believed it if I hadn't been there to see it. So hunger, hunger, it's all around us. Of course, there's literal hunger of those who do not have enough to eat. But there's also the variety of hungers we experience at different points in our lives. Hunger for love, for connection, for peace, for healing, for meaning. Each one of us would make quite a long list, I imagine. We are hungry for much as God's beloved creatures. The Gospel today from John, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, we usually think about this story and we think about the food, the miracle of, of it. But this week I was wondering if we're missing something when we overly focus on the food part. Yes, it's a thrilling story. And we all have that picture in our heads from our Sunday school days of the little boy opening up his lunchbox to offer up the five barley cakes and the two little fish. It's just an iconic and wonderful image. But I was struck this week by the ways in which Scripture depict people who are hungry. And it made me wonder about hunger. For what? Are we hungry? And how are we fed? As the reading from 2 Samuel shows us, hunger can have very dark forms. For King David, lust for Bathsheba was a destructive hunger, and in his selfishness, he arranged for the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Hunger in David's case, perhaps fueled by his royal privilege and his sense of entitlement, drove him to steal and lie and basically murder. David's story challenges us, I think, to wonder about ways we who are privileged intentionally or inadvertently destroy others when we support policies and practices which satisfy our lust for comfort, our lust for certainty. Are there hungers we feed that harm our neighbors, damage our planet, harm ourselves and our loved ones? Do we find ourselves eating from the bowl of mistrust and antagonism, fearful of those different from us? Do we drink in the hateful words poured out so readily in the news and on social media by our leaders? For what are we hungry? And how are we fed? In today's Gospel reading, we see crowds of people who were hungry for healing. They had either witnessed themselves or heard about Jesus' healing of the sick, and they followed him. Perhaps more hungry for a touch, or simply to hear his voice, than they were for the bread. 
while traveling or we were distracted by a big event. So Jesus is up to something different here. Make the people sit down, he told the disciples. And they sat down in the grass, all 5,000 of them. Now if any of you had visited the Holy Land, you know that a huge field of grass is in and of itself a miracle in that desert climate. Before we even get to the part about the food, there is this field of grass, evidence of water and shade from the burning desert sun. So people hungry for Jesus, hungry for healing, are told to sit down in cool grass. Think about that image. Does it remind you of something? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He revives my soul. Jesus knows they're hungry for rest, for healing. For restoration. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. Are you hungry for rest? Jesus says, Sit here, sit in the cool grass next to me, rest, and be healed. They are told to sit, told to sit all together. Jesus also knows that they are hungry for community. 5,000 people, probably more, being still together, noticing their neighbor, meeting someone new, enjoying the children who are playing in the grass around them. They're no longer separate seekers clamoring to see Jesus, but rather a fellowship of folks who arrived in the same place at the same time. Some may have walked a long way or sailed a rough journey across the always stormy Sea of Galilee. But now they are together with stories to tell, resting, listening. Are you hungry for community? Jesus says, Come, sit together, know one another, share your stories, care for each other, listen to my word as one community. Jesus asks. He took the bread, 
gave thanks, broke the bread, and gave it to them. As much as they wanted, and all were satisfied. There was more than enough. More than enough bread, more than enough fish, more than enough healing, more than enough cool green grass, more than enough friends, more than enough grace, more than enough love. For what are you hungry today? How will you be fed? This upcoming week at Trinity, we have much food to share. Joy and sadness, excitement and laughter. Two funerals. Bob Perry on Tuesday and Beverly Barney on Saturday. The families who are grieving may be hungry for comfort. For the comfort of friends and this loving community in which their loved ones worshipped, and prayed and served. Perhaps you will share in those services this week as we celebrate the lives of Bob and Beverly. Your presence as holy food. On Friday, we have 65 young people coming from St. Stephen's in Boston to enjoy a day of Be Cool, Be Kind camp put on by Trinity volunteers. No doubt, the campers will be hungry for fun, for some cool water and green grass and wide open space to play and laugh, fed by our beautiful facilities and grounds and the loving volunteers. Those of you who are volunteering may be hungry for a connection with these kids, hungry for meaning, in our ministry with our downtown neighbors, hungry for purpose and service outside these walls. My prayer is that all of us are fed this week in ways we cannot imagine. I pray that God's grace and love will multiply in our lives and the lives of those we touch so that we, like my friend Ellen, can all say, no one would believe this story if you hadn't been there to see it for yourself. For that is how God works, my friends. The miracles, the miracles of feeding, of soothing, of healing, of making connections, of sharing the abundance, of listening to Jesus who sits right beside us always, offering himself to us in bread and wine right here. For what are you hungry today? Come. Come and be fed. Thanks be to God.
we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Friends, I remember the Church we truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake.
to the hallway that's sort of in the center of all of the buildings, just at the bottom of those stairs near the closets and um, they tech board. So if you ever have an occasion anytime during the week or on Sunday to be the person to have to go locate the defibrillator, it's also called an ADD, that's where it is. Um, and I think we're going to compile a list of people who are already trained on it and schedule opportunities for people to be trained on There will be healing prayer right over here. This transept learning and talking to you and everyone will be additional prayers, specific prayers for healing in your life. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God.
the gifts of God and the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ has died for you, and see them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving, knowing that all are welcome.
Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier be with you and those who love this day and 